This is it's my decision, part three. Where's your rest? Where's your peace? We're in 2 Samuel 24. We're, we're in this third part of my, of my decision series, and we are not just talking about decisions making in general. We're talking about decisions that surprise us, decisions we really don't want to make, decisions that have a time constraint, and we're pressed to make that decision. We don't have the luxury of time in these kinds of decisions. It's the kind of decision making that blindsides us. So we say to ourselves, why am I in this position to make this kind of decision? And let's say, for instance, for example, you're dating someone and you're getting serious about this person. Then a friend comes up to you and gives you information about them that is not good at all. Now you have a decision to make. Do I, br do I bring this up? Do I confront them? Do I just ignore it and move on with the relationship? Or do I end the relationship now? See, I don't want to make this kind of decision. I wish someone else would make this decision for me. I just... You know, I just want this to actually go away. And what we've been talking about is just asking ourselves these questions when making these kinds of decisions, when the time is short, the time is compressed, you know, when things like that are happening, they're not the kind of decision we want to make because we don't feel we have all the information, but time has its constraints on us. We want to narrow it down and make the best decision we can. So we start with these questions that we ask ourselves. And we begin, in the very first one, we bring it up in every one of our series so far, and it's this question, am I being completely honest with myself? Am I telling myself the truth? Am I telling myself this is what I want to hear for I'm leaning towards this direction? We are the best salesmen when it comes to selling ourselves on a really bad idea. The second question is, what story do you want your life to reflect? And as we talked about that in the last lesson, that every season of life is, n is nothing more than just a story we tell. Whether it's the story of our high school or college, the story of your first marriage, the story of a time that you spent in the summer camp or whatever it may be. So as time goes by and life goes by, the decisions you make is nothing more than your story that you tell. So when making a decision, instead of looking into the future, make that decision as if you're looking back. Is this decision consistent? Is it constant with the story I want to tell? And the third question which is for us today, is this. Where is your peace in the pressure? Or is there a pressure that needs my peace? You see, understand, when we are making a decision, there are either three or four options that we may have, whether it's our family, our financial, our personal relationships, schools, college careers, whatever it may be. More times than not, we will find ourselves in an ethnical and a moral dilemma. And it's not a extreme kind of decision, like should I rob Circle K or go to work today? Or should I, you know, pistol whip my boss or go to the beach today? It's not an extreme moral dilemma, but oftentimes in the options we are evaluating, there's the very subtle moral ethical dilemma in this stress or this tension or this pressure, and it's buried deep down in the complexity of the details. And as we begin to consider a certain option, there is something on the inside of us that may be waving a red flag. Or if you've been a Christian for over 30 years, we say this, there must, there's a check in my spirit. So whether it's a check in my spirit or a red flag we're waving, or maybe you're saying, I'm just not sure of this, this is what we would call the pressure or the stress. So what we need to do is pay attention to where is my rest, where is my peace in this stress, in this pressure cooking dilemma. And listen, how often folks will come to me about a decision they have to make, and they don't want to make it. They want me to kind of sort through it for them and come up with an answer 
their dilemma, which I, I love to do. I want to help them out any way that I can. But here's what I usually ask them when they're, when they're confused. I ask them, where's your peace in all this? Well, where do you rest in all this? And then I share with them in Colossians 3.15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. That's what it says in the very first part of that verse. And Christians, there is a peace that comes from Christ. Let it rule. And that word for rule in the Greek is let it be the referee in the fight. You're having to make a decision. So basically, let it be the umpire that calls the balls or calls the strikes or safe or out. In other words, pay attention to the peace. Let the peace call the shots. Don't argue with the referee. Don't argue with the umpire in the decision that they make. And in the same way, don't argue with the peace. Just accept it and just move on. You could have a story in that you didn't pay attention to the pressure or to the stress, and you just went ahead and made a decision that you really didn't have a rest in or a peace on. You might have a regret as you go back into that decision. Someone might have brought that stress or that pressure to your attention, but instead of paying attention to the peace and the rest, you went with, well, it's not a big deal. No one cares about that thing anymore unless you're over 100 years old. You know, that was more of a 90s kind of thing. Now you look back on it and you think, I wish I had a do-over. To go back, you know, to go back and have gotten out of that relationship or to go back and not sign that contract or never move in or never move out or bought the boat or the house or listen to my peers or my friend's advice. We all have that time in our life when we needed to pay attention to the pressure, to that stress, and follow our rest and our peace. Well, in our story right now in Second in First Samuel chapter 24, this is the time of David. And David at this time is on the lamb. The king of Israel, Saul, is wanting to kill David. And for what reason? Well, for no reason at all. David did nothing wrong. But from the very time that David and Saul met, he's always had a bee in his bonnet for David. And no doubt David was very popular with the people. And the people loved David. And thus David became a threat to Saul and his family's sovereign rule of Israel. Yet David was always a very loyal soldier in Saul's army. So beginning our reading in verse 1 of chapter 24, it says, Now it happened when Saul had returned from following the Philistines that he was told to him, saying, Take note, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. And then Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all of Israel, and they went to seek David and his men on the rocks of the wild goats. So he came to the sheepfolds by the road where there was a cave, and Saul went in to attend to his needs. But David and his men were staying in the recesses of the cave. David and some of his men just happened to be in that particular cave that Saul went into. What an opportunity for David. I mean, here was a guy, David, who did nothing wrong, being accused falsely, being hunted down to be killed, and all the stars are lining up perfectly. It's the perfect storm. This is what we call in Christianity, this is a God thing happening here. Here's your enemy. You've been anointed king. And now the current bad king walks into the cave that David and some of his men just happened to be in. It's very obvious to everyone that God has delivered your enemy into your hands, David. What goes around comes around. Saul is about to reap what he's been sowing. And here it is all laid out for you, David. And there's David and his men who have been in the cave for a while. Their eyes have adjusted, and Saul walking in from the bright sunlight to the cave can't see a thing. And as David and his men are looking on, they see the silhouette of Saul. As they look towards the mouth of the cave, as he is getting ready to relieve himself, and you can picture everyone smiling at each other by giving each other these really quiet high fives 
kind of thing. Then in verse 4 it says, And then the men of David said to him, This is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I'll deliver your enemy into your hand, that you may do to him as seems good to you. And David arose and secretly cut off a corner of Saul's robe. So David is creeping up quietly to Saul. We assume to kill him. But as he's creeping up, all of a sudden, he starts paying attention to the pressure, to the stress of the decision he's about to make. That This is a moral dilemma written all over this. And there are red flags flying as he is creeping up with the intention of murdering him as he sits on the john to relieve himself. Yet David is paying attention to his peace, which there is none, where he rested in, and this, but he's at unrest. I mean, this all looks like this thing to do, kill Saul. My men agree, the stars are blind up, you reap what you sow, but there is this red flag flying. And as David gets closer and closer, sneaking up upon Saul, he's paying attention to the tension, to the stress, and the pressure. And he has one of those ha-ha moments, one of those wait a minute, and he just kind of hits himself in the head like this is still the anointed of God. Saul was anointed by God, and who am I to touch God's anointed? No way. And this peace came upon him as he was at rest with the decision not to kill him. Is it my call to replace what God has put into place? And you can see the wheels kind of turning in David and potentially asking himself these questions as he's creeping up upon Saul at that particular time. He's asking, am I being completely honest with myself? Is this really the story I want to tell of my life? I killed a man as he's relieving himself in a cave in cold blood? But that's what David was faced with at that particular time. Well, in verse 5, it goes on to say, Now it happened, afterward that David's heart troubled him because he had cut Saul's robe. And he said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So David restrained his servants with these words and did not allow them to rise up against Saul. And Saul got up from the cave and went on his way. David also rose afterwards and went out of the cave, and he called out to Saul, saying, My Lord, the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David stooped with his face to the earth and bowed down. And David said to Saul, Why do you listen to the words of men who say, Indeed, David seeks you harm? Look, this day your eyes have seen that the Lord delivered you today into my hand in the cave. And someone urged me to kill you. But my eyes spared you, and I said, I will not stretch out my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. Moreover, my father, see, see, yes, see the corner of your robe in my hand, for in that I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you. Know and see that there is neither evil nor rebellion in my hand, and I have not sinned against you, yet you hunt my life to take it. And now let the Lord judge between you and me, and let the Lord avenge me on you, but my hand shall not be against you. And so we see what's happening right here. And, and, and very interesting thing here is that Saul is now gone. The moment is now over with. The decision was made. You see, there was no guarantee that David would have been king even after he killed Saul. Was there a guarantee that if David was king, would he, be, would he remain the king after he murdered Saul? And the point is this. There's no guarantee you will get the promotion or make, an, or make an extra money or live happily ever after when you don't pay attention to where your peace and where your rest is in all of this. And then David, in those last words that we just read, 
you know, basically was, was telling Saul this one thing that was very important. He said this. He said, let the Lord judge between you and me and let the Lord avenge me on you, but my hand shall not be against you. In other words, I'm going to do the right thing and trust the outcome with God. Saul, I'm going to do the right thing, the thing that brings me rest and me peace, that is. I'm not at peace to judge you. It's God's place. So I will entrust it to his hands. I'm doing the right thing, and I'm going to let the Lord work out what is to happen between me and you. That's where my peace is. And think about paying attention to the pressure of others to say to you to do it when there's an ethical or moral dilemma attached to it. That stress of doing it, and David took the time when secretly sneaking up to see where his rest and his peace was. And I believe that it was a career-defining moment for David in that decision he made there in En Gedi. And it helped and define him as the greatest king Israel had ever had. God judged between David and Saul. And sometime later, of course, Saul, along with his sons, were facing the Philistines. And they shoot a hailstorm of arrows into the army of Israel. And it just happened one of the arrows found a gap in Saul's armor. And, and that arrow just happened to be a mortally fatal wound. And Saul knew it, and Saul fell upon his sword, and he died. And then the people come to David, and they ask him to be their king. David left it all into the hands of God, and those words he spoke to Saul, let the Lord judge between me and you. And listen, it boiled down to one thing. Where is my peace? Where is my rest? That was important. It became the story of what David wanted to tell for his life to reflect upon. It wasn't something that his heart said to do. No, for my, your heart is not saying to do that. Because it says in Philippians 4, 7, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds through Christ Jesus. And even as Paul said once again, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. And notice that peace overrules the heart. It guards the heart from its deceit many times into our lives. And so the important thing is, where is your peace? Follow your peace.